Hello, and welcome to the 41st episode of Breaching Extinction. This week, I talked with David Murner, one of the leadership candidates for um, the Green Party of Canada, who's running in here in the fall. He shares some of his ethics and what his political campaign is built on, as well as how he feels that the Southern residents are tied into um, a variety of issues. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Also, I want to remind you guys to keep writing those letters, making those phone calls to senators and other people in the office who are able to help us um, breach the dams and also make sure that the Navy isn't able to come in and do an intake of 51 whales. Um, you can find out more about that on our website. We posted links to it um, for what Orca Wild posted as well as what PNW Protectors has. So feel free to check those out and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello, Erica. Hi, David. How are you? Good, good. So tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your background, the role that you're currently in, and um, about your upcoming election. Great. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, Eric, if you don't mind, that I'm coming to you from Saanich, British Columbia. <laughs> and this is the traditional territory of the Esquimalt, the Wissanic, the Sauk, the Sequimp, and the Songhees First Nations. Mm -hmm. I always like to say that it's important, I think, to recognize it, partly because we're all connected to the land and the oceans here. And uh, um, and it's important to recognize these First Nations um, that have sort of stewarded the land and the oceans for so many uh, centuries. Um, and I am running for the Green Party of Canada uh, leadership right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been running for a long time since December. Uh, the pandemics really had an impact on our campaigning. So we're campaigning on Zoom and on podcasts like yours. So it's a real thrill to be here. Thank you for thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm excited to hear about your work with the Orca um, and like your work now, too. Um, yeah. Excellent. So you're running for leadership. So um Aaron Baxter recommended that I talk to you. He's made a lot of really good recommendations, so I just want to like recognize him on here as well um, for helping out with this project. Um, so he said that you do a lot of work with the orcas or that you have in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about that work? And um, You mentioned a demonstration that you recently did. Yeah. Um, one of the things is that we have a great relationship with the Canadian Orca Rescue Society, a fantastic group of people. Um, and we've worked with them for over a year. And they have these unbelievable inflatable orcas. And uh, they come to all our demonstrations. So <laughs> we, uh, we benefited hugely from just their publicity. Um, there's so much sort of natural attraction. People see these inflatable orcas. They're life-size orcas uh, going down a parade route, let's say, for the local Esquimalt Buccaneer Days Parade. And it just, people start smiling and they have this positive view of, of the Green Party. So we've sort of teamed up with them and they've had a huge impact on our political campaigns. Uh, it make, makes it much more interesting. Little kids come up to us and are interested in, you know, in seeing these orcas. Mm -hmm. And so many people here on South Vancouver Island, where I live, mm -hmm. really, really care deeply about the orcas. So it's kind of a way of connecting politics to activism mm -hmm. to protecting the orcas in, in a way that really works for everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've seen the inflatable orcas on social media. Aaron's posted pictures of those and they look really cool. Um, that's awesome. So I noticed on your website that your, you know, campaign is about building a sustainable future, which we love that. So how do helping the orcas tie into that? Yeah, great question, because I see this all as related. Mm -hmm. um, everything is related to everything else. It's part of our Green Party philosophy, a, mm -hmm. a holistic approach. So the orcas obviously are at the top of the food chain, 
and totally depend here for the southern residents on on our salmon right mm -hmm. and our salmon are in, in free fall in terms of the numbers it's just a disaster out there you know there are people talking about the salmon here going the same way as the east coast cod basically disappearing mm -hmm. for generations and it's a really serious situation if we don't save the salmon then we're not going to save the southern resident killer whales um, but it's also tied into things like tanker traffic. Uh, we know from the uh, Kinder Morgan pipeline, the, the Trans Mountain pipeline, that uh, huge increases are coming if that pipeline goes through in terms of tanker traffic, mm -hmm. like uh, 300, more than 300 tankers a day, sorry, a year yeah. will go through uh, the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And many of the scientists are saying that's like a tipping point. If the noise from the tankers it makes it difficult for the killer whales to hunt uh, and they're already very close to a trajectory towards extinction. So we're really opposed to that pipeline, not just because of the orcas, but it's part of this interconnected web of really serious uh, challenges to the survival of the southern resident killer whales. Uh, and these things are all adding up in a way that really makes it look like the southern residents could be on their way to extinction so it's it's a real tragedy mm -hmm. and unless we take active steps right now it may just be too late to save them yeah i totally agree we need to definitely take some active steps and um i'm not sure if you saw but the u.s navy is trying to um do some drilling not like oil drilling but like practice drills and do some different training in the salish that would potentially eliminate 51 of our 72 southern resident killer whales yeah. um, i saw that yeah yeah so yeah. that's not helpful um at all but i totally agree with you we have to do something now um or else we're not going to have these whales yeah um, and if we there's a couple of ways of, of doing things one is through activism mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier we were on the steps of the legislature here the british columbia legislature uh, two mm -hmm. saturdays ago um fighting to get uh, the fish farms out of the water because we know that uh, uh the impact of these fish farms on wild salmon is potentially disastrous for the wild salmon yeah. too right um, so activism, you know, demonstrations, being out there on the steps of the legislature in our town halls and so on are is really important. But what we say is politics matters, too. Like the politicians need to see that, oh, uh, we're going to lose votes if we don't pay attention to this. Another party like the Green Party is going to get votes if uh, we don't really take action. And so that's partly what we're doing in the Green Party is figuring out. How can we create this movement, a movement of people who care about the southern resident killer whales, mm -hmm. who care about the salmon, who care about um, indigenous justice uh, uh, and Black Lives Matter? Mm -hmm. And how do we connect up all these movements together and really create a movement for deep change, deep, rapid change that'll save the killer whales, it'll help turn things around on the salmon, and then also address these other issues social justice issues which are linked we think it's all linked together oh absolutely um, yeah so that's what we're trying to do politically awesome yeah i i think we need more politicians like that that see the interconnections of it because you know we've had other episodes where we've talked to different people and like there's absolutely racial injustice within the environmental field as a whole but especially around the southern residents because you know, these animals are tied to so many different native groups in the United States and in Canada as well. And like, just yeah. th they've had to sever that connection in a sense. I mean, obviously that connection is still there in their hearts, but like, 
it's it's not like physically there as much anymore um yeah so we hear that so much from our indigenous allies like um the leader of the bc green party adam olson tells a fantastic story about his community and how they really do see the salmon and the killer whales as as relatives Mm -hmm. and how um you know all beings uh, human beings and uh, mammals uh, and and all beings the trees uh, are interconnected mm-hmm. and you know it's really true if you look at what's happening with deforestation along riverbanks that has an impact on salmon habitat mm-hmm. and that has an impact on salmon survival and and uh, uh, regeneration of salmon stocks so it really there the interconnections that you mentioned are so so important and indigenous communities often voice that in the most clear and compelling way and i think we need to learn from that and really pay attention to it yeah absolutely yeah. and also you know the other thing too is they have the most knowledge because they you know they they were here first and so they know more about the animals than we do even yeah. if it's not, you know, necessarily scientific information, it's that information is still valid. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a lawyer, Erica, and I actually just retired from law. Um, wow. uh, and one of the things that I learned early in my career was that this indigenous knowledge um, has really systematically been discounted by our courts and also by our scientists who haven't really paid close attention to it. But there's a huge amount of indigenous knowledge that uh, uh, can tell us about um, historical patterns, about what's happening, you know, in our waters and, and our rivers and streams and in our forests. And uh, the Supreme Court of Canada actually found in the Gitskan Wet'suwet'en case that uh, uh, traditional indigenous knowledge, oral history, uh, should be admissible in courts of law uh, as valid evidence. And I think there's something to be learned from that legal history as well, is that our sort of uh, disregard over the centuries of traditional Indigenous knowledge is is really hurting us in our understanding of um, of all these issues, including, you know, what's happening to our salmon and what's happening to the uh, killer whales, the southern resident killer whales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in your, like, experience, what can we do to amplify those voices and to put those on the forefront? Part of it, I think, is about um, politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, people need to vote. And uh, so often, um, and I have four daughters, and especially with young folks, it's really hard to get folks out to vote. Mm-hmm. But people care passionately about uh, the Southern ki- resident killer whales. They care passionately about um, animals generally and the treatment of animals generally. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ways that we found that young people will be motivated to go out and knock on doors, make phone calls, and especially go out and vote uh, when they can, Mm -hmm. because your vote really matters. Uh, If politicians had to pay attention Mm -hmm. to all the people who cared about nature, all the people who cared about uh, uh, what's happening in our oceans and rivers and streams and forests, um, and we could unite that vote into a strong, powerful voting bloc, we would really transform Canadian politics, and I think politics around the world. So it's so critical Often people are cynical about politics. I totally get why. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't vote, then in some ways we're part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're enabling the other uh, parties to win. We're enabling um, other ways of looking at nature to win. 
And so I think the vote is a key thing. I also think activism is key, like uh, getting out on the legislature steps. And people sometimes say, well, you know, all you tree huggers do is wave signs and stand on the legislature steps. And that doesn't really do anything. It does, though, send a signal. It sends a signal that people care passionately. Um, And then if we can link up the activists with the signs and then the the, um, political parties that really care about the environment, we're into a new world. And that's what we've got to build is a new world where people get out and vote and they vote for our environment. They vote for our killer whales. They vote for our salmon and our forests and so on. And people see the interconnections mm-hmm. uh, and that they care about them and they care enough to vote. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's so vital. And it's just, you know, I like your term of like kind of creating a new world or a better world where people are motivated by that. Cause I think there's a lot of cynicism, like you said, and, you know, without hope, we don't really have anything. But I mean, I think we definitely can fix it. We definitely can make it better only if people get on board, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think um, sometimes uh, it's easier to mobilize people, get them excited and moving Mm -hmm. through fear and saying, hey, look, the science is clear, you know, global warming could be irreversible in five, six or seven years based Mm -hmm. on, you know, the best science in the world. But what we're also trying to do is not not rely on fear-based politics. What we're trying to say is, mm-hmm. you know, there's a better way. Uh, we we need to be hopeful, mm-hmm. uh, but that requires everybody uh, mm-hmm. to take action. Uh, we're not going to get there quickly unless we get people into the streets, uh, we get people into the voting booth to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's both of those things are important. Um, you look at Greta Thunberg and, and all that she's done in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And... If we just all recognize that this stuff is all related and and we need to change politics by getting people out and having them vote their conscience. The other thing is it puts a lot of pressure on us and the Green Party. We have to be ethical, too. Mm-hmm. We have to be really, really careful about, you know, living by our core values, ecological wisdom, mm-hmm. sustainability. We have six core values. Those are two of them. And um uh, really holding ourselves to account so we don't feed into this cynicism mm-hmm. and, and, and we really stay committed to uh, putting the environment first and, uh, and figuring out how we can build a sustainable economy that doesn't depend on killing off all our salmon stocks and, you know, uh, 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 shipping um, billions of barrels of oil through uh, southern resident killer whale territory. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's doable. I mean, it's absolutely doable because we didn't get here like, you know, we didn't we weren't born, you know, humans with having all of these different things going on. We built these things so we can just like, yeah, we can we can take a step back and unbuild it. It'll take some time, you know. Um, But yeah, I think you're totally right. Like change is possible if everybody contributes. But it's like, how do we get everybody to contribute and get them motivated? Yeah. Um, so well, I'll... your your podcast is sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, go you. ahead. Yeah. Well, your your podcast is part of this. I think it's really really important to, to be getting the message out. And so often our mainstream media isn't really interested in these stories. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but through podcasts, through social media, um, and through smaller media too, um, you know, uh, ra- local radio stations, local newspapers, mm-hmm. our plan is to try and get our message out on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I become the leader of the Green Party, one of the first things I'm going to tr- do is travel across the country in an electric vehicle and reach out to people on the ground, uh, try and inspire them on these issues, uh, and uh, and also re- reach out to local media and local podcasts. I think what you're doing is really important as part of this cause because it gets the message out. Well, thank you. Yeah, I definitely, 
I, I'm not a huge fan of media, ironically enough, but I see the gaps and I see that there's a lot of, there's not a lot of truth and so much of media is whitewashed and like told from the perspective of just so few people and there's a lot more yeah. to it. So, yeah. you yeah. know, and I appreciate you sharing your voice on here too, because, you know, I think as far as with the Southern residents and the salmon and how we save them, all the pieces of the puzzle are there. We just have to put them together. Um, yeah. so it's, it's helpful to hear all the perspectives that we're not going to get it done if we don't have, you know, people on both sides of the U S and Canadian border on board. Yeah. Um, exactly. Right. I, I think we need to pull together. We can learn from each other. Like, uh, what Washington state has done on salmon, uh, farm on fish farms mm-hmm. is way ahead of what BC is at British Columbia is doing. Mm-hmm. So let's learn from each other across the border and let's build together. And I think that's right. I think. And that includes on the media front. Like if we can amplify our voices through the media, through our political system, mm-hmm. um, as well as on the streets, then then we'll be on our way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of people want to know what they can do to make a change. And you just said like voting and activism. And I think that how we do things is just as important as why. So as a politician, um, you know, what modes of communication do you find most effective when you're listening to other people's opinions or trying to take um, different, you know, political ideas into account? You know, I personally um, am uh, more and more of a social media person. Okay. I actually get a lot of my news through social media. Okay. I, I get a lot of it through Facebook, some of it through Twitter. Um, and, uh, but I also love to read, uh, and um, so I, I, I'm a voracious reader when I'm not too exhausted to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the great thing about social media, though, is it's with you all the time on your smartphone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so podcasts, uh, you know, Facebook posts, um, I'm, I'm monitoring a lot of the Green Party sites, like the Green Party has a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, we're tweeting out every day, uh, uh, the Green Party of Canada. Mm-hmm. And we're doing the same thing on my campaign, the David Murner uh, Facebook page. We have two pages. One's a personal one and one's a politician page. Mm-hmm. And uh, our website, davidmurner.com, has stuff going up regularly. Uh, and especially on our newsletter, we have a newsletter page, which uh, actually has some really good pictures of our demonstration with the mm-hmm. Canadian Arca Rescue Society uh, two, two Saturdays ago in the legislature step. I, I'd encourage people to go mm-hmm. there if they want to take a look. Um, and it's basically using every channel we can. Uh, but like we said earlier, mainstream mm-hmm. media doesn't seem to be that interested in these issues right now. And so we need to figure out how do we break through there or mm-hmm. how do we go around it? How do we create alternatives like your podcast? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think right now mainstream media is, is really worried about coronavirus and, you know, Black Lives Matter has, has been a huge movement, which it absolutely needs to be and totally needs to be covered in the media. But it, like you said earlier, it's all interconnected. You know, we can fight Black Lives Matter and like other social issues through you know, bettering and making a sustainable environment. You know, so many of those systemic issues stem from environmental injustice anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah. And the impact of environmental injustice is clearly much, much tougher mm-hmm. on um, indigenous people, black people, people of color. Um, it's clear that there's a disproportionate impact around the world uh, on people who are living in poverty and who are marginalized in other ways. So, yeah, I totally agree. These things are connected mm-hmm. and we, we need to pull together uh, to, to make the deep change that we want. 
we've had incremental change, small, small changes where people bring in, you know, new rules and new regulations, but that's just not getting us there. It's not moving fast enough. And what we say, what we're saying in my campaign is we need deep transformational, real change, uh, mm-hmm. not just the same old sort of small steps that we've had here in Canada where mm-hmm. the government says all the right words and then doesn't deliver right. uh, or deliver something very small. Okay. And we've got to get away from that kind of politics. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the cynicism from politics comes from is people feel lied to often. And, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's, a, it, I mean, I, I can only imagine that being in politics is a really hard job. Like, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. And, like, you know, I don't think it's realistic to expect from our politicians to solve all of our problems. And I think that's what a lot of people do. And I think we need to have a cultural kind of shift in, in our expectations as well. Um, so what do you plan to do to, like, make these bigger changes? And, like, you know, I see that you're going to do your little um, – Electric van, that sounds really <laughs> awesome. I mean, that's really cool. I'm all about personal connection. Like, yeah. you know, that goes so much further than anything else. Um, but yeah. what other things are you going to do specifically for the orca and the salmon? But any other projects that you're particularly passionate about? We'd love to hear about that, too. Yeah, cool. Well, this um, this September, I'm actually going to be heading north. I'm, I live on the south end of Vancouver Island right now in Saanich, and I'm going to head north up, um, uh, up into the all the way, stopping all the way through town after town. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about these issues in September Mm -hmm. in local forums, reaching out to um, local environmental organizations Mm -hmm. and Green Party members and others, just to try and rally around these issues, around, you know, what's happening globally on the climate emergency, what's happening locally on in your salmon streams Mm -hmm. and everything in between, (laughs) including the orcas. Mm -hmm. and, um, And then how do we rally together? How do we actually reach out to the Black Lives Matter? And here in Canada, Idle No More is a huge movement uh, with for Indigenous people and mm-hmm. uh, with and Strong, another huge Indigenous organization that's really taken off. Mm-hmm. And people are looking for justice. Uh, they're looking for justice uh, relating to Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're relating to Black, uh, justice relating to Black people. But they're also looking for ecological justice and environmental justice too. Um, and so hopefully if we can pull together these environmental groups uh, in in the next two or three months, I'm focusing on the leadership campaign. I think uh, I have a, a shot at winning if we're able to create this movement of mm-hmm. movements, a sense of energy. And mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's carry this movement into Canadian politics. And we may not be able to uh, get enough seats to form a majority right away, mm-hmm. but it's growing. You can feel it growing. Um, we've had fantastic global allies with Greta Thunberg and others. So now we need to make it stick on the ground in, mm-hmm. in each of our uh, areas across Canada. Mm-hmm. And BC, where I live, is a prime area for this. People are close to nature. Uh, we see the killer whales when we take mm-hmm. the ferry, right? Or when we mm-hmm. go out on a boat, it, it's very present. And the fact that these beautiful mammals could be on their way to extinction is such a tragedy. And people feel that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think whales being such big charismatic animals, you know, Colleen Weiler was on here of the Whale and Dolphin Conservation Center, and she's like, they're the gateway drug to the rest of the environment. Like, you know, it's kind of a joke that they have there. But, you know, I think that they definitely can show us because people, of course, they're going to be intrigued by, like, an animal that weighs like several tons and is 30 feet long and you know is a yeah. dolphin of course they're going to be interested in that 
Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that we can do at the national level too. Our our leader Elizabeth May brought uh, essentially brought in legislation, worked with her colleagues in the House of Commons in the Senate of Canada, and uh, brought in legislation to forbid the capture of cetaceans, you know, dolphins and yeah. killer whales and so on. And uh, so that's one of the things we can do as well. We operate nationally inside mm-hmm. our legislature, our parliament in Ottawa, and that's great. But so what we need to figure out is how do we unite sort of Canadians on the ground. How do we connect them to politics in a way that has integrity and and, and sticks to good values, environmental Mm -hmm. values, and then brings in legislation like Elizabeth May did uh, with her colleagues in in Ottawa. So we need to make it all connect. All these things interconnect. And I see that as a big job of the new leader of the Green Party is to make these connections clear and make them work. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, So when is your election? So October 4th is the date the winner's announced. Okay. Anybody who's Canadian can sign up before uh, September 3rd to buy a membership. It's only $10 Canadian dollars. It's a good deal mm-hmm. to change the world. And uh, they can get a membership by going to davidmerner.com and clicking on join the party. Okay. Uh, and if there are any Canadians listening on this that mm-hmm. uh, want to donate, there's also a donation button there if people want to help out. It's costly to run these campaigns. Uh, and so even though we're trying to uh, drive electric vehicles and do everything else we can, it still costs money to get across the country. So uh, any contributions are very welcome. And certainly if, if anybody's interested in signing up in the Green Party, they'd be welcomed with open arms. Excellent. And um, yeah. I know like Americans, with, you know, we can register to vote at like, you know, our DMV or other places like that, where can, you know, if there are some Canadians that are not registered to vote yet, do you guys even have to do that? I honestly don't know. Yeah, I know. Good question. Uh, That's a really great question Mm -hmm. because it's really key to get people out to vote. Mm -hmm. And here you don't have to register. You can actually go down to the elections office uh, on the elections day, bring the right kind of ID and register right there. Uh, So, yeah, and that's a really important point, though. We need people to get out and vote. So, Thanks for raising that, Erica. Yeah, of course. So when that comes around, where can they go to vote? Because I know in America we go to schools or churches or other places same thing. like that. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. It's the local church, local school. Uh, that's usually where these things are at, uh, local community center. And uh, awesome. and the campaigns, all the political parties advertise the, the locations as well. So um, main thing is just to get out and vote. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the questions that we always ask people on this podcast is what can we learn from the whales? Oh, I love that question. Mm. (laughs) I think what we can learn from the whales is about working together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the way the killer whales, uh, through multi-generations, right. Um, and how they teach the young to hunt, um, and how they work together, uh, as a community Mm -hmm. is so important. And I think there's a lesson there for us as well, is that we need to figure out how to work together uh, to really to survive. Uh, mm-hmm. Our survival's at stake uh, as a human civilization, given how quickly global warming is coming. Mm-hmm. And certainly the survival of the southern resident killer whales is at stake. If we can't figure out how to come together in our different communities and work together, uh, then um, there's a really serious risk to our future. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the killer whales. If they're not able to hunt together and work together, then they're not, they're not uh, functional and then they can't survive. So good lessons for us. Let's work yeah. together. Everybody should get out and vote uh, and, uh, uh, and, and pull together to, to make the deep change uh, happen really quickly because time's running out. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and then also, I always like to ask if you have any, you know, specific encounters with the Southern residents or any other killer whales that you care to share with people. People always love to hear those stories. Yeah, my my experience has been relatively distant, okay. um, uh, which is to say that on on ferries um, mm-hmm. and in British Columbia, it's unbelievable. But we regularly see the killer whale pods, the southern residents from the ferries. And one of the things I love to do is not take pictures of the not take pictures of the killer whales themselves, but take mm-hmm. pictures of all the people on the ferry running to the windows and running across yeah. <laughs> all these huge ferries. People get so excited by mm-hmm. the sight of the, these pods, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so great to see that sort of excitement and connection. And it's not just the little kids. It's mm-hmm. people of all ages, right, who get so excited. And that gives me hope. It, it's sort of hope that people care. Uh, they know this is very special. Mm-hmm. And uh, now what we need to do is put people's caring and, and, and sense of uh, uh, connection uh, into action. Mm-hmm. We need to make that transfer so that people will not just get out and vote, but maybe they'll knock on doors or make phone right. calls mm-hmm. and get active in saving these uh, beautiful mammals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to add? I think that's it. I really appreciate yeah. what you're doing, Erica. Thank Thanks. you very much for uh, you know bringing people like me onto your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it's really important to get our message out and you're doing that. So I just want to say thank you to you. And again, davidmerner.com if anybody wants more information. And, and I'll send you a, a, a video from our demonstration a couple of weeks ago with the uh, Canadian Orca Rescue Society. Yeah, awesome. And then we can share that to like our Facebook and our Twitter. Um, and then I'll put the link to your website in this episode description and then on the website where we put, you know, your picture and everything. Cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, cool. that's really great. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you guys want to stay in the loop, please sign up for our new email list. We're going to be sending out emails anywhere between two to four weeks uh, with updates on the whales as well as things that you can do to help. Also consider purchasing some of our merch or contributing to our Patreon if you want to continue to support this project. We also appreciate reviews that are left on whatever podcast platform you listen on. We're hoping to expand and get some new campaigns going. So Um, Anything that you guys can do is super helpful, but we always appreciate any contributions. Hope you guys have a great week. Bye.